Welcome to Note Up 93. Today's show is about LTS. If you're tuning in to hear about liquid tradable securities and the role they did or did not play in the 2007-2008 financial crisis, now would be a great time to turn the podcast off. If you're tuning in to hear about long-term support release of Node.js, then you are in the right place. Our guests today are Kat Marchan of NPM. Kat, would you like to tell us about yourself? Hi, I'm Kat Marchan. I am a CLI engineer at NPM. And I'm also in charge of the LTS stuff for NPM's 2X version. Excellent. And James Snell of IBM. James. Hello, yeah. I'm uh, the node technical lead at IBM, which generally involves a lot of herding cats, coordinating various efforts in, internally and also contributing back to node core as a member of the TCs. Awesome. I'm your host, Rich Trott. I am an NPM enthusiast and all-around swell person. More about LTS after we hear about our first sponsor, CodeShip. CodeShip is a hosted continuous delivery service focusing on speed, security, and customizability. You can set up continuous integration in a matter of seconds and automatically deploy when your tests have passed. CodeShip supports your GitHub and Bitbucket projects, and you can get started with their free plan. CodeShip also just launched a new feature, Organizations. With CodeShip's new Organizations plans, you can create teams, set permissions for specific team members, improve collaboration, and maintain centralized control over your organization's projects and teams. You can save 20% off of any premium plan for the next three months by using this code, NOTEUP. Head over to CodeShip.com NOTEUP to get started and be sure to follow them on Twitter, at CodeShip. So Kat and James, who wants to sort of just explain what is LTS and why it matters? LTS, long-term support. Really the bottom line of why it matters is that it gives us a stable platform for businesses that are actually building on top of Node. It ensures that the version of Node that they're deploying to their infrastructure is going to be supported for more than just a few weeks or months at a time. The current plan right now is, is 30 months for any LTS branch. You know, and that's quite a bit more support than what has been there previously. So, Cool. So can one of you uh, describe the LTS timeline for releases in more detail? So, yeah, the, the current node release schedule, there are basically three streams. There is the master branch, which is your you know, fast development, almost a nightly build. There are two stable branches being cut each year. It's six-month intervals, so we just uh, we're actually getting ready to cut the 5.0 stable branch here any day now. That will be supported for about eight months, and then in April we're going to cut the next stable branch, which will be 6.0. Right. Every October, the even number stable branch will roll over into LTS, the long-term support. What that means is that for a period of 18 months after that, we will be making active bug fixes and security updates, documentation updates, but there won't be any new features landed in that LTS branch. So it, it remains very stable over time. The, the, every release should be able to be a drop-in replacement for the previous release without folks having to worry about things breaking or new things being added coming along. After that initial 18 months, there's a 12-month maintenance period where we will continue to support it for major security issues or documentation updates. But you know things like smaller bug fixes won't be made. 
overall, it's about 30 months of LTS support following that cycle. So I'm sure that all of this is documented on the Node.js repo and website somewhere, and trying to follow along in a timeline while it's being explained verbally is making my head explode. So I guess we'll make sure that we, we put that in the show notes somewhere. If folks just go to the you know github.com forward slash Node.js forward slash LTS, go to that repo. Everything is documented there. Oh, great. Awesome. The LTS release, the first one just happened in the middle of October, right? Yep. Yep. Two weeks ago. Yeah, and you you released it, right? Um, yep, I'm the one that did the release on that. We yeah. did the, the 420 on Monday and had to do a 421 on Tuesday. And that was really because we had two critical regressions ended up happening with the 420 release. We needed to do a quick turnaround and get those fixed. Yeah, so. I'd actually like to introduce a new segment called Node.js Apologies. So James had to James had to cut a new LTS release one day after the the first LTS release because yes. of two regressions, as he just explained. And one of those two regressions was in code I wrote. So it's fixed now, so that's great. But still, all is not well with the world until I accept responsibility, apologize, and assure James and all the wonderful users of Node.js that I will try to do better going forward. James and everyone else, I am so, so sorry. Okay, that was fun. So LTS will be a stable feature set. So for example, 4.2 ships with npm 2. Dot something or other 213 214 213 214 and npm 3 is now out of beta is that right yep it is now our latest it's 2.14 npm but if you stay with the lts branch you will you will not get that until the next lts in 18 months right that is uh, correct yes yeah. right yeah. Uh, it'll be next October. October 2016 was when the new, the next LTS should be cut. Oh, 12 months, right, because because the initial, yes, okay. So people who want the new and the shiny should go with the stable release, and the people who want the stable stuff that does not change should go with the LTS release. Exactly. That pretty much covers it. We are also doing some changes to Node 010, but we'll talk about those later. Okay. I look forward to that conversation. It's great fun to be able to talk to Kat today because the last time I sat down and really talked to Kat, we were both being trained as facilitators. So the entire time, we took turns role-playing incredibly difficult personalities to try to derail each other. And it's nice to be able to have a friendly, functional conversation after that because, let me tell you, it's exhausting trying to be a jerk for hours at a time. I don't know. It was pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> Different strokes, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. That was good fun, and I, I'm really glad just to just to kind of quickly plug that. I think that facilitator mechanic worked really well at the facilitator meeting we had. Yeah, and then subsequently at the Node.js Collaborator Summit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Where should people go with their LTS questions after they've read the document and they want and they have uh, specific questions? Should they just open issues in the in the main repo? Should they somehow flag them any any special way, or do LTS questions just go? Anywhere special? The LTS repo has an issue tracker. Probably the best place to, to, to drop those in to make sure that the LTS working group sees those. Mm -hmm. so what was the genesis of LTS? How did this, where did this come from? Who did it come from? Like how long was it in the, in the oven before it was fully baked? The idea behind the LTS really came from all of the, really out of the, all the turmoil in the node environment over the past two years. So before the convergence, 
Node was going too slow. IOJS was great, but it was starting to go too fast. There was too much uncertainty in the mix. So LTS was really designed to strike a balance between those in the community who rightfully wanted to be able to move faster, land new V8 versions, you know, get those newer features into the mix. And those of the community, you know, like IBM, that need to have a stable platform that we can turn around and help our customers build on. So, you know, the idea of having these three different release streams really gives us that balance to meet everyone's needs. In terms of how long it was in the mix, I think the the entire time that we were working on the convergence, LTS was a requirement. It was one of the things that we knew had to be there and had to be done in a pretty formal way. But there were some, you know, things that needed to be worked out, you know, such as, you know, you know, how do we handle V8 support long term since, you know, 30 months on a V8 version is, is a heck of a long time to support it. Those kinds of things that need to be figured out. So, I mean, there, there were some bumps along the way and just trying to iron out the process. But I think we landed on something that was rather and that works rather well. So when you say the three release streams, that's stable, LTS and master. Oh, and master. Okay. Yeah, so master is almost like a like a nightly or um, almost like an alpha build. Do we have the nightly builds happening again? Are those started up? Rod has been working on it. I don't know if they are fully enabled yet, but I know it should be coming soon. If not, so if they're not there yet, they probably will be by the time people can actually listen to this podcast. Hopefully, yeah. Cool. Let's take a break right now and hear from our second sponsor, And Yet. At And Yet, we're very inspired by the dreamers. But for certain people, the skills necessary to do portions of their app or product development dream don't come naturally, or at all. And that's where we can come in and help out. We've got folks specializing in design, ops, architecture, security, web, mobile, front-end, back-end, admin, project management, you name it. We are builders of things. It doesn't matter where at in the process. We make things for technologists, and we're very good at building things for others. We've loved helping build apps and tools with folks at AT&T, the Creative Artists Agency, the Flatiron School, and Major League Soccer, to name a few. Reach out at contact at andyet.com or visit us at andyet.com for more info or just to say hi. From dream to deploy, we're here to help. And yet, the kind and efficient sort of perfectionists. Welcome back to Node Up 93, I think, the LTS show. So, Kat, doesn't NPM have their own LTS and now Node has its LTS? So, what's the deal there? Are they related or synchronized or anything like that? So, here's the fun bit we don't actually have an LTS. So instead, we don't have anything that we identify specifically as LTS, even though we refer to the 2x branch as our LTS branch, right? And we refer to it that way mostly because we've committed to supporting supporting 2x for as long as node 4.2 for LTS is going on. But after that, we'll probably go back to just, you know, important security patches and the like. Okay, so there's a version of NPM that's designated LTS, but it's not a formal designation. Right, and and this kind of goes back to just the general way that NPM operates, which is 
we work very hard to not break backwards compatibility. We work very hard to acknowledge that a lot of our users, historically and currently and probably in the future, use a, lot, a wide range of our versions. They use very old versions, like we, keep, we will regularly get bug submissions for 1.4, even though that's like very old. <laughs> so that's kind of something to keep in mind when thinking about NPM's LTS. It's like we are committing to maintaining regularly on, on 2x and, and making sure that it continues to work with our registry. But that's mostly just to make it make sure uh, node users using the LTS can continue to use it effectively. And so that probably means that even though in Node, while every other major release ends up going into LTS support, I guess that probably means that more or less sooner or later, every major release of NPM goes into LTS. Is that a correct inference? Possibly, but not necessarily. For example, we will quite possibly start accelerating our major release bumps in tandem with making sure that we can still work effectively with Node. There's a lot of conversations that have happened and conversations that continue to happen about how our API corresponds to Node's API. What, are, what is our contract, for example, with Node itself? We've had conversations about these. We have some answers about what it means to not break backwards compatibility for a CLI tool. And I'm sure we'll continue to have that. The point is we might end up, you know, over the lifetime of this 4X LTS release, we might end up bumping our, our own major version two, three times. So it's perfectly possible that the next LTS of NPM, the next LTS will include NPM 7 or something like that, right? That's interesting. I didn't know that NPM was considering increasing the frequency of major releases. That's a very exciting thing to hear. That comes kind of as an effect of recognizing that we don't want to do the same thing that we did for NPM 3 again, if we can avoid it. So we would rather have smaller major releases that we iterate on faster than uh, just sitting around for a year trying to get a single large release out. Oh, cool. So it's a sort of a lesson learned from the process of the last year or so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Cool. Well, thanks for sharing that. It's always good to know what's going on with NPM. Obviously, it is a ridiculously critical piece of the node ecosystem and infrastructure. So we already kind of covered the 4.2.0 on Monday, 4.2.1 on Tuesday thing, but I want to revisit it anyway. Just sort of like, was that an indication of something went awry or was that an indication of the system working or a little bit of both? Or what's sort of your take on what happened there and whether things went the way they were supposed to go or whether something needs to be tweaked? I think it's a little bit of both. One of the very nice things with LTS is this restriction against no new features, right, or no breaking changes, which makes it actually possible for us to get these patch releases out much faster without necessarily worrying about, you know, accidentally breaking somebody. That's the theory, at least. In this particular case, uh, what we ended up having were a couple of commits that were in master, were pulled into the 4.x branch fairly quickly uh, before the release without having gone through another release cycle out in a stable because we don't actually have a new stable branch right now because the 5x wasn't cut at that time. So there was this awkward period of, of not having this intermediate stable that we could test things out in. 
and these commits, they looked good. Everything was, um, you know, looked fine on the surface. Went ahead and got him in, cut the release, and then suddenly, you know, some. And we found out it broke a few things in the ecosystem. But we were able to very quickly roll out a new release with a limited number of commits that, you know, to get that get that resolved. In that sense, the the process worked. But what we learned were a few very important lessons from that. That in the future, as much as possible. We're going to not land commits in LTS until they've gone through at least one release from you know, like a master nightly or one of the stable releases in order to, you know, you know, get those changes out and make sure that they actually are stable changes so they're not going to introduce any regressions into the LTS stream. That's not always going to be possible. Things like security fixes or critical bug fixes may have to go in a little faster. But for the most part, we want that LTS to be as stable as possible and not be introducing regressions directly into that stream. So we probably want to slow down the commits and, and learn a few things from that initial cut. Cool. Are there any other lessons learned that are worth articulating and discussing a little bit from the initial release process? Uh, absolutely. One thing that we're, that we're very quickly learning is that process of cherry-picking commits that are landing in master you know, and identifying which ones of the which of those commits need to go out in the LTS branch is actually quite a bit more difficult than it would seem at first. The ordering of commits may need to be looked at. You know, there's going to be times where we want to put out a very quick security update that just is limited to just the fixes for that security change. But there's other commits that may have landed before that. In order to keep that as clean of a process as possible. The LCS working group has decided to create a 4x staging branch where all of these commits will first land in staging. We can do some release candidates from that and then pull things into the 4x branch for the actual release. It kind of gives us a, a two-step process for landing things. It's very different than the process that we currently use for master and, and even the stable branches. But it does give us a little bit more stability over time and a little more control over what's actually in each LTS release. It's not ideal, but I think you know, the, the kind of general opinion is that it's probably the least messy way to go in terms of keeping the Git tree clean and kind of maintaining control over those releases. So now that LTS is out in the world and people are, are running it and the LTS maintenance process is, has, is underway, what does that mean for 0.12 and 0.10 branches of Node? Are those dead? Are those part of LTS? What, what happens to, to those branches? So those branches are generally treated as a special case. They're, they're somewhat outside the normal LTS schedule. 0.12 is considered to be uh, what we call active LTS, which is, you know, if we look at the LTS plan, there's the, the, the 18 months active followed by the 12 month maintenance. During that active period, we'll still make bug, you know, bug fixes in addition to the, the security fixes, documentation fixes. That is going to be supported until the end of December 2016. And I'll explain that in just a minute. Zero ten is considered maintenance. So the only changes that we will land in zero ten now are security fixes or documentation fixes, no bug fixes. And that will continue until October 2016. Kind of the reasoning for these these the schedule on this is, you know, implementers really need to be looking at moving off zero ten. So we wanted to put a, a Kind of a finite end date on that and kind of draw a line in the sand on that. 
there's still a large amount of you know, number of users who are using 010, but they need to be looking at moving to the, to the 4.x stream in the very near term. The 012 LTS is set in December because that is when the LTS for the OpenSSL version that's in 012, it expires at the end of December 2016. So we will no longer be getting security updates in OpenSSL in mm -hmm. 012 or 010 past that date. Ah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Listening to this podcast, you might figure correctly or incorrectly that maybe we discuss topics and questions ahead of time. But now we come to a moment where I spring something on, on James and Kat that I did not warn them about. We'll see how this goes. If you're like me and you get all your information from Wikipedia, then you are horribly misinformed. But putting that aside, the Wikipedia article for long-term support does list Node.js along with 10 other software projects describing their LTS support. And it raises a few questions because it's Wikipedia. It can't possibly be incorrect. So here are the questions I have. It says that the first LTS release was June 29th of this year and that it was version 0.10. There's no citation for that. So do I need to go in and edit that right now so that it says October 11th and v4.2.0? Um, <laughs> that one is... That one's odd. So the 0.10 LTS, the LTS plan can't be said to have started until we had a first LTS release. 0.12 and 0.10 were just kind of grandfathered into the program. <laughs> so it's very difficult to put actually put a starting date on that. Okay, so that one clearly is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. So it also has this weird-seeming note, and it says, and I'm quoting, there will be no LTS releases cut from the Node.js slash io.js stream, end quote. And I read that, and I'm like, what? Now, that <laughs> one does have a citation, and it's to a markdown document in James's LTS repo. But it's also there under a section that says straw man LTS. So the questions that raises are, what does that mean? Do I even care what that means? And should I just go and remove it entirely from the Wikipedia page? Because seriously, what the hell, James? Yeah, I think that's an unfortunate timing on the quote. From what it sounds, it was taken from an earlier draft. Basically, what that means is that there's no LTS cut from the master that there are these stable branches that are cut off that. And this has been something that's been kind of being iterated on, uh, or the plan on this was iterated on throughout the summer. And I think finally settled on, I think it was right around mid-August or early August, this idea of having these three distinct release streams and this process of, of you know cutting stable branches off of master and then rolling the, the those stable branches into LTS. So really what that was trying to say is no LTS off master. It has to be something that is a stable branch that's been proven to be stable over a period of months before it'll roll into an LTS. Okay, cool. So in the context of the Wikipedia article, it's really not even a very significant or meaningful statement. So I guess it probably needs to be removed. But obviously in the context of how operationally is the Node project going to handle LTS releases, it's actually pretty pretty darn important. Yes, yes, uh, particularly when it comes to the V8 releases. So V8 is on a currently on a six-week stable release cycle. The current LTS plan and the way that we have the, the stable branches structured means that the version of V8 that is in that, or at least the major version of V8 that is in the LTS, 
is at least six months old. We are not taking the, you know, the current V8 in the LTS at the time that it's cut. And the reason for that, again, goes back to stability. If you look at all of the churn that's happened in V8, I mean, it's great stuff, but there's been a significant uh, number of changes in that code base just over the past year. It makes for a very unstable platform that works great in master, not so good with an LTS uh, where you have to support it for 30 months. Yeah, it works great in the browser too. I can see how if you're running an enterprise system, you might want something that is a little less updatey every six weeks. -y. So let's take a break and hear from our sponsor, Lyft Security. RequireSafe is Lyft Security's latest offering to the Node Security world. If you haven't heard, Lyft Security created the Node Security project to audit all of the modules in NPM. The Node community has since grown exponentially to where the NPM registry contains roughly 160,000 modules today. The problem RequireSafe aims to solve is, whose code are you running in production? To clarify just that, RequireSafe offers dedicated resources looking after their third-party code for subscribers, early warning and recommendations for remediation for when an issue is identified, documentation for developers on common gotchas when using certain modules, integration with your deployment and CI tools. As sensitive vulnerabilities become resolved in public, this info will be made available to the community at large. RequireSafe is currently available in beta. To check it out, visit requiresafe.com. If you're interested in hearing more about Lyft's auditing services, or want to bring a security-first mindset to your team's development process, contact the Lyft team at liftsecurity.io or at Lyft Security on Twitter. Welcome back. We have Kat and James here to talk more about LTS. We're going to talk about the future of LTS and, and the past, because the past is the future in some weird alternate universe, I guess. So what were some of the biggest technical and non-technical challenges in getting LTS done, and maybe what were some pleasant surprises about you know in, involved in doing it? I think on our end, there was interesting to go through a lot of the history of how MPM has been managed as far as like long-term stuff goes. You know, I was fairly new to NPM itself when I got dropped into this. So discussions about contracts, some of which were actually kind of touchy during the collaborator summit. So I guess a lot of that was really just relating to people and trying to have effective discussions surrounding what people needed, what people expected. I don't know if that makes sense from if I'm being too vague about that, but I think it makes sense and you're being too vague. <laughs> what would you say if you were to abandon NPM and abandon Node and you became a Go programmer tomorrow and they wanted to do something like this, what would be the one thing you'd want to make sure they knew ahead of time? I think understanding what it really means to have a stable platform is actually a very hard question to answer, um, not just yeah. for extra tooling like NPM, but also for the car. Things like bug fixes, how that affects it, but also there's a lot more that goes into large platforms like these than a simple API exposed by the engine, right? You're going to break backwards compatibility, and Semver doesn't always cover the exact nuance that you need when your goal is to make sure that people are completely stable in the long term, right? So a more concrete example is, and this is something I, wanna, I wanted to bring up at our next working group meeting. So NPM is a, is a platform. NPM isn't just a CLI tool. It, NPM is also the registry, right? 
And while the NPM CLI has a lot of local work to do, and it has a lot of very, very, very stable APIs as far as operating with the registry, we do add new features. And a lot of those features have to do with keeping up with how the registry, which is a live living service, works. And we, we you know, regardless of how much effort we put into backwards compatibility, there's going to be some things that, as a service, we want to provide, but LTS releases might not necessarily be able to take in. So, for example, we added scopes to, to NPM, scope support. And that really messes with 1.3. And that's not because we, we patched 1.3 or because we broke 1.3 or, or such. It's because the services that, that the NPM CLI interacts with have moved on from working exactly the way they used to. So we're doing something about that. And I guess I'll, I'll, I'll just mention that as part of the thing that we were talking about later, which is that the NPM 2 update as a solution for that is coming to version 0.10 of a node. We're actually removing 1.4 from node 010, and we're going to deprecate it and end up in NPM2 in order to keep up with these, these things that are happening, right? There's also some services that the CLI provides that might be new as part of the NPM JS service that it might make sense to bring into LTSS anyway. For example, organizations. There's a lot of purely server management things that are coming in that don't really affect local workflows. But any users who are using LTS versions of NPM would simply completely miss out on without otherwise having been affected in their in the stability of their projects. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. There's, yeah, I, I think that line between you know what is Node and what is NPM is something that's going to continue to be explored, and we're going to continue keep iterating on that as the LTS process continues and we learn more about that. In general, we, we're not going to land any new features in an LTS branch, but how does that apply to NPM? That question's. It's still kind of an open question, and we're still going to be figuring that out as we go. You know, and the the zero ten examples, it's a prime example of that, where you know we're we're looking at a zero ten, which is in maintenance, but we're going to be doing an npm update from from you know one x to two x in that branch in order to to better support the community. So I mean, yeah, I, I expect those kinds of things to happen. You know, and again, in the future, we want to minimize that kind of change, of course. But if it's if it's better for the the ecosystem, then it's something we need to consider. So I want to touch on something that Kat brought up, which is something that I feel like being involved in Node has really raised my awareness of, which is the fact that one person's bug fix is another person's breaking change. Is there anything special in LTS that sort of covers how to determine whether something is a bug fix or, or a new feature? Well, right off the bat, nothing will land in a LTS branch that is semver minor or above unless it is part of a security fix. If there's a pull request that comes in that wants to change some existing API or add a new API or change the way something works, just automatically it's not going to be considered for LTS. If it's a bug fix, then it really, you know, and, and it's something that can be proven that, that this, this bit of functionality is not working correctly and it, and it needs to be fixed. The, the consideration is going to be done on a, really on a case-by-case -case basis. You know, what is the overall impact of the bug? 
how much of the ecosystem would be affected. I mean, if we fix this and it breaks half the modules out there because those modules already have implemented workarounds, then we're going to treat that differently than something that is just kind of an obvious error that, you know, if we fix it, you know, the whole world is going to get better, you know. So really, it's going to come down to a case-by-case basis. But again, I mean, we're just starting this process. So, you know, it's going to take, you know, some trial and error to get the, the right balance to figure out kind of what that optimal workflow is. James just mentioned breaking modules and and I believe Kat earlier mentioned effects on the ecosystem. Are there plans for smoke testing for LTS that will be different from the smoke testing that is planned for the stable releases in the master branch? We have the Canary in the Goldmine tool that is out there currently in kind of a, a, a very early rudimentary state. The, the goal is to evolve that tool and use it both for the everyday CI and for the, the, the LTS. Running that tool should really be able to, to tell us with any given version of Node, any build, regardless of whether it's LTS or not, what is the impact of the changes in that build on the ecosystem by going out and actually running the, the tests for those modules. There's still quite a few details to work out. Um, uh, the, the, there's a lot of inconsistency in the way that the modules implement testing. Some publish their tests to NPM, others do not. The connection back to GitHub where the tests actually are is, is very inconsistent from one module to another. And the test output is, is very inconsistent. Like you, have, you actually have some modules out there that will do a, an exit zero even if the tests fail. So it gives you a, a successful exit code, which is completely, you know, not complete nonsense, but, you know, hey. There, there's it's some suboptimal. Oh, yeah, suboptimal. So, so there are some, some hurdles to get over until we get that smoke test tool completely uh, functional. The, the goal, at least on our side, you know, on the node side is to have that in place uh, before too long. And uh-huh. I, you know, I, I know that Chris Dickinson has been working on a lot of static analysis as well. I don't know if you, there's anything you can say about that or if you're aware of that work. I haven't talked to him at all about static analysis stuff. So, you know, the thought there is is basically, you know, being able to perform some static analysis on the the code that's in NPM and being able to uh, ask questions. If we change this API, what you know, percentage of the modules in the ecosystem are going to break uh, because of it. Uh, it's an important piece of work, but it's a huge piece of work given the amount of code that's out there. In the uh, canary in the gold mine, I, I have to imagine you have help from from some NPM people on that project. Is that right? Yeah, there, there, there's help from several different folks in in the community. It's nothing over the past few months. You know, we haven't been uh, iterating on it actively. We're starting to to, to pick that up now. I know Chris is, is participating in some of those conversations. Definitely want to get more conversation going. Anybody that, anybody out in the community that wants to help out with that effort, we have you know the existing repo is just at Node.js slash CITGM. Uh, we can put that in the show notes. Question for both Kat and James. Having gone through the LTS process, is there any particular skill set or sort of industry vertical representative or something that, that you wish you had on the work group that you know, that, that would add to it? Or do you feel like it's a pretty adequately diverse set of individuals? Should I say, rephrase that question so it's not as loaded? No, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's fine. As far as 
diversity. <laughs> Node has a long way to go uh, in terms of diversity, and ho I'm hoping the new diversity working group really you know makes some great strides in that regard. I know Kat you know, was at the summit and at the the collaborator summit, and for a while there, I believe you were the only female in the room. I believe we got a few more the next day, but. Nope, I was the only one both days of the summit. <laughs> so, yeah, so I think that kind of answers the diversity question. It, it would be great to get more diversity going, just in general, across Node. Uh, mm. in general. So I kind of understood the diversity question more in terms of technical needs. Yeah. Uh, so, so to me, I think James has good perspective on the on the needs of very long-term projects, but I remember having a conversation with you during the summit, James, where you talked about the scale at which companies like IBM do things, where yeah. it's not 30 months. Like, 30 months is not really long-term support. 30 months is like, oh, you're being reasonably stable, right, for, for a, a rapidly iterating platform. But the, the scale at which a lot of very large companies operate is literally on a scale of decades. You know, Node really isn't, I, I don't see any sign that Node is prepared to deal with that considering how, you know, the issues we keep getting with older versions of Node where it's like, we just don't want to deal with it as far as I can tell. And so that's part of the issue with Node still being a relatively new platform. And it's part of, I assume, the issue with larger companies being willing to adopt us because even our, our definition of LTS is kind of short term. I don't know if you're like how much you speak to that crowd, James, but I think that is a group that the Node community in general is trying to better serve. And I see a lot of people who are not used to that kind of thing, sort of taking guesstimates at how to make them happy. Absolutely. You know, and, and you're right. You know, traditionally, LTS for IBM does go on a matter of, of decades. You know, I think one of the shortest, you know, kind of traditional LTS plans we have is something like at least five years. So, it, you know, it's, it, it really is quite a bit different. But at the same time, the requirements uh, for enterprises, you know, big and small, are, are continuing to evolve. And we really need to stop and question, do we need commitments to go for five or ten years if we can be serious about, you know, you know, serious and smart about how we're evolving the platform at much smaller intervals, right? So I, I think, you know, the, the Semver minor and major, you know, kind of sticking to that plan and, and, and sticking to this while no breaking changes in an LTS year to year, but we having smaller incremental improvements happen more frequently, I think is really the way to get us to a, a much more s stable point while still having shorter LTS cycles, if that makes sense. It allows us to iterate with the customers faster while still keeping them stable. I can't tell you how pleased I am that you both interpreted the word diversity in my question completely differently. I love the English language and all its awful, amazing ambiguity. But in no unambiguous terms, it is time to do our plugs. Kat, what would you like to plug? I, I want to do one for my company and say NPM Orgs is in beta and you should continue to keep an eye on that because if you want organizations with teams and all that stuff and all that good stuff so you don't have to individually manage collaborators and you can say oh this person can only read these packages that's going to be available and it's going to be cheaper than getting a whole npm on-site installation going so awesome you'll put a url for that in the show notes i will 
I also implemented that, so I'm pretty happy with it. <laughs> I mean, the, the CLI side of it, so... Yes! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I guess I should also mention that I'm going to be speaking at both NodeFest Japan and PlayNode. PlayNode is the South Korea Node event, right? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's the NodeCon for Seoul. And then NodeFest Japan is the NodeCon for Tokyo. Forrest told me that Fest in, in Japan and maybe that area in general is just what they call conferences. So instead of saying whatever conf, they say whatever fest. Oh, so, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's the thing I learned. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, that, that sounds like that'll be a ton of good stuff. So, James, what do you have to plug? Two things. We kicked off the HTTP working group today. It's not yet fully chartered by the Node TC, but the intent is to get a, a group of folks together to make improvements to HTTP in core and better support the ecosystem. So we're looking at the needs of you know things like Express and Happy and Request and, and trying to figure out how we can make HTTP in core better to support those things. So I'm very excited about where that's going to go. The other thing I'm excited about is recently uh, with you know Robert Schultz from Ancestry.com, I, I, I launched a Fresno Node.js meetup. Fresno doesn't have a, a huge technical community, but there's some really exciting things going on. We managed to, to scrape up 107 Node developers in the area. We have a, uh, a meetup every, every month. Our next one is on November 9th. Anyone happens to be in the, the Fresno area around then, just, you know, encourage you to come check us out. Upcoming events. There's NodeFest Japan, November 7th in Tokyo. Kat will be speaking at that event. There's also PlayNode in Seoul, South Korea on November 12th. Kat will also be speaking at that event. There's JSConf Asia in Singapore on November 19th. In Gold Coast, Australia on November 20th, there's CampJS 6. There's Node.js Interactive, which is put on by the Node.js Foundation. URLs for all of those events can be found in the show notes. Our guests have been Kat Marchand, not Marcan, and James Snell. Thank you, Kat. You're welcome. Thank you, James. You're welcome. <laughs> and uh, Jordan Muir is doing all the recording and editing and stuff and deserves an awesome shout out as well. So here it is, Jordan, Jordan. Uh, this has been Node Up. Despite the title being so close to the phrase Word Up, this podcast has the dreamy, echoey acoustic guitars rather than a cameo impersonator doing a parody of Word Up. Thanks for listening. See you next time. We'll bring the dreamy guitars again. Don't worry. Follow Node Up on Twitter. Sponsor Node Up. Email Node Up at Gmail for more info. And thanks for listening. Bye. See you around.